Hey, hey, hello. Welcome to Hit Different, your weekly music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl, Marcus Teague. And this week we have Alex the Astronaut, more like Alex the Snorkeler, but we'll get to that. Today's show, we're going to run through it right now. We're going to be talking about the male and female categories being removed from the Brit Awards and from the Arias and what all that means. Dell arm wrestling Spotify and winning. And then we're going to get to, into Alex the Astronaut's career. Her second record is going to be coming out soonish. Very, very interesting. That's 21 seconds. Hello, friends. Marcus Teague. Hello to you, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mikey? I'm feeling... I was kind of slightly hung dog, but now I've come good. I had a trivia night last night. It was, it was sold out. It was very good. Alex, the astronaut, how are you? The star of the show. Let's get to you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I hope Great. you've um, hydrated and you're feeling good now. Yep. Two bananas. I've just been... I took a friend of mine shopping who has a broken foot, so I've got that kind of nice karmic glow inside me. So oh, good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. 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 Coming in hot on this one because it's a super interesting topic to talk about. It mm-hmm. is the first segment we have arrived, friends. Mikey to lead. So the Brit Awards and the ARIA Awards, ARIAs are on tonight. You're listening in the future, so that's last Wednesday for you. They've done away with male and female categories for the major awards, which is uh, very much the world we're living in at the moment. You know, we're you know, very sort of talking about pronouns and being very respectful. Gender is dead, all this kind of stuff. Super interesting. So I'm not perplexed. I'm sure trying to sort of chew this over in my mind still and sort of marinate it on and sort of come up with what I think about it because, <laughs> you know, we do live in an age where I don't want to say the wrong thing, um, but also I want to speak my mind. So I think I'm not saying this is PC gone mad, but I'm not not saying it's PC gone mad in a way. And I guess where I'm coming from is I want people, two, two reasons. I want people to be able to get awards and with the no male, male and female categories, that means eight people are going for the one award. Whereas I think that should still be two or a good workaround and perhaps a more pro- progressive solution. Male, Category, female category, and non-binary category. Does that sound so crazy? Tash Sultana, you know, Shamir was one of the first people to come out and say they would prefer to be called they. Totally fine with that. Yes, I am a white male talking about all this. <laughs> so there's, I have a certain amount of baggage to, to, to discuss uh, such a thing. But, you know, I've got to have an opinion. And I want to throw straight away to you, Alex, as a person who, you tell, I guess, tell, tell, the, tell the class a little bit about yourself. Yeah, what your initial reaction is when you heard about these, these um, awards stripping away the male and female categories. I thought it was a great idea because there's no reason to split it up, in my opinion, because I've come from playing sport and I understand if you're running a race, there's going to be different times. And then so arranging those awards you have to actually split up those categories whereas in music there's no reason to I think that's one of the main things that I think is it creates kind of an unnecessary split and then it also excludes people who are non-binary and then I think if you added a category that is non-binary it kind of also feels like I don't know just the strange reason to separate someone based on their music like I don't think that that is a reason that someone should be put in a category for an award I don't feel that it's a good idea because it it means that I don't know someone like G Flip's music versus someone like Troy Sivan's music they would be in separate categories and why like what's the reasoning I don't think that there's any good reasoning behind that apart from kind of a historical sense that the male category was dominant and then the female category was kind of a, a sidekick to it. And then I think that that means that the non-binary character uh, category would be a third sidekick to that category. It'll be interesting to see. I saw a stat recently where out of all the Grammy winners between male and female over the years, 86% have been won by males. We know that there's a male skew in the music industry for a long time. That's mm-hmm. pretty clear. It it will be interesting to see whether it changes anything in the in the outcomes and what that's like. If they make this change and then men win all the categories, then 
perhaps the change they're making isn't as effective as they think it is. Like, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see, are they just putting another label on it? Whether they're truly trying to affect change, I suppose, or just kind of scrambling because of the wake of recent upheavals, especially at the top end of some music labels in Australia and on the oh, ARIA yeah. board. I'm sorry, it's in my throat. <clears throat> <laughs> and on the ARIA board itself, whether they're doing this to just kind of go, hey, yeah, like, you know, let's hold hands, we're all moving in the right direction, or whether it will actually kind of affect change and determining on who wins and all that sort of stuff. But I find it hard to talk about because we're still just talking about judging music, which is yes. silly. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, like awards are stupid because yeah. they because it's really it's a, an award from the music industry to the music industry itself. Yeah. To kind of essentially sell more records by you know upping notoriety for some artists. So it's yeah. great that there's going to be kind of non-gender specific representation in in, in terms of a media. Uh, lens at the awards but at mm. the end of the day we're still kind of talking about like you know how can we say g flip's record is better than rules or anything like that you know yeah. like it's 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 still arbitrary yeah. voting it's strange when you sit at the awards night and then there's an urban category and it kind of is like oh god why have you lumped <laughs> all of these artists in together oh they were all mm. people of color that's a bit of a strange way to recognize these people as if yeah, they shouldn't be put in a category with other mm. music like G-Flips or like Rules. How does that benefit them? Like, how does that make this, I don't know, I, I agree. Like, the rule, the the awards do feel really arbitrary. And, like, sometimes when you sit at them, it's just like, well, what's the, what's the outcome here, like, at the end of the day? And, like, I think the outcome mm. should be kind of mutually beneficial. Like, if you've got artists going in and you're like, and they're all like, okay, we want to be up for awards, I think it just should be the most respectful situation for them so that something that part of that I, their identity that they can't control isn't something that puts them aside to be kind of it be the main center of who they are as an artist because I hate that when people do that to me like I get oh Alex is a queer artist or Alex is in their LGBT and it's at the top of the article about me and it's like well yes I have talked about that yeah it's important because in the world we live in like it's not equal yet it don't get the same treatment as you might get so I have to have that talked about at the start of the articles. And yeah, it's something that I don't really love. I also think that on the other hand, it's good for representation because young kids that are coming through, they do need to see people that are like them. Um, is that burden always meant to be on the artists to just share parts of themselves in order to help kids? Yes, I think partly, but yeah, part of the the I guess onus of that is on these com these organizations like the Arias or or big labels or people that are employing people in the music industry to actually make meaningful steps towards allowing for these people to be safe and I guess yeah and then that extends to everyone else so I I don't know I really think it's just kind of a mirror of the world we live in and yeah it is changing quickly and everyone has to say the right thing or whatever but I don't think that that's a good excuse for not changing things just to say the right thing I think it's more about making people feel safe and happy and if that's something that makes people feel safe and happy then yeah you might have to say something differently or you might have to be a bit more careful about what you say but if that's what it takes to make someone else feel safe in the world I think we can all probably make that that sacrifice mm. it's it's not that hard yeah it does feel like very very good points too it does feel like in a way the music industry and the film industry and are kind of trying to reverse engineer uh <laughs> a good result for them and reverse engineer uh, in a way history and sort of go okay we, we always thought this and you you know i I've got sympathy for, 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 for some people, but at the same time, there's probably a lot of men who like, no, I don't like the way this is, this is going and we're going to make sure men win met these awards, you know, be naive to think that there isn't mm. that happening, you know, in, in, in back rooms, etc. Do you Definitely. aspire to, to win awards yourself, Alex? Have you, what awards have you won outside the soccer field? <laughs> 
None. I, I don't think I've won any. I've I've been in the hottest 100. I think that feels like a really nice thing to be involved in because mm. it's voted for by people that like your music, which is really nice. I've been nominated for things. I think I think the main thing about it, even though it is arbitrary and you don't, uh, I, I guess it's not the point of doing music, it does allow you and your team to really celebrate the achievements that you've had. And I think that's where I sit with it is like I've never won but the things that I've been nominated for it's it's meant that we've all called each other straight away been super excited it's been a moment that like wow okay all this hard work that everyone's put in and it's kind of gotten to a point where where someone else has recognized it and whether they're from the music industry or from the public that is really nice I guess as as well it does have a I guess a boost that happens like I can say I'm Aria nominated in a bio if Marcus yep. would write my bio that was <laughs> that would be able to be included which is something that means that maybe when an artist that I aspire to support on stage or someone that I wanted to work with mm. reads that information and they might think okay well this person is has some sort of verification from these large bodies that can only be a good thing and then maybe they read on and, and maybe it means that they find out more about my music. So, mm. And that's real. Yeah, that is like a real thing. If you zoom right out, there's still the same amount of people being nominated in a lot of ways. The nomination is the win. You know, you get nominated. Yeah. Say when, when Courtney got nominated for Breakthrough Grammy. Artist at the Grammys a few, year ago, a few years ago and lost yeah. to Megan Trainer, the moment she got nominated, we were like, go Courtney, this is unreal. Yeah. You know, it sort of doesn't matter so much. Whether you win or not. Yeah, there's so much to unpack here. And it's so, yeah, it's perplexing and it's frustrating and it's good. It's progressive and it just feels tokenistic. And it's just so much going on here, especially at a time when we just want artists to get looked after a lot better because the piddly amount that Spotify is still paying and other, other streaming services is still sort of uh, quote unquote paying people. I'm hoping tonight, uh, as I said, we're in the future, you're in the past, Genesis Owusu cleans up at the Aries. He's nominated for six. It would be very cool. One thing we'll say, though, it's being broadcast live on Nine Now and also on YouTube. It's not quite the same impact as having a national live broadcast where you can get up, you know, he, she, whoever can get up and say some important stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of move the cultural needle as well. So that's yeah. a bit of a pity that uh, they're getting supported in that way. But hoping that um, a lot of good comes from it. Yeah, I just want everyone to win everything straight up. <laughs> yeah. I'm a judge for the Australian Music Prize and that has nothing to do with, with, with you know, with, with gender or with race or anything like that. It's just the nine best albums of the year. And that feels, even though it probably should get a bit more uh, press than it does, that still feels like a very, very important, in a lot of ways, our Mercury Prize. So that's a good thing. Definitely. Friends. That was fun. It was, uh, it yeah. was a pretty heavy subject to go in on, but I think we all <laughs> stuck the landing. Coming up in a second, Marcus Tiagu talking about Adele and her album 30, which she definitely listened to, more specifically talking about how she managed to make dis Spotify disable the auto shuffle mode across albums, across the digital, across the entire platform, I believe. It's pretty... um. It's a pretty impressive move. It's what Taylor Swift did a few years ago with the streaming services. In just a moment, I got to say some stuff. Support Hit Different, Alex the Astronaut, another Mushroom podcast covering Australian music by becoming a subscriber. I've got friends that have messaged me saying, I enjoy getting these episodes on Monday, Mikey. Tell your team, they're all doing a bloody good job. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or check out the episode notes, which a lovely intern at Mushroom puts together for us and pulls out all the best songs. And yeah, the whole thing. I did a deep dive on it last night. I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm involved with this thing. So there we go. In just a moment, as I said, Marcus Teague talking about Adele's power move. Marcus Teague, you'll never guess what I want you to talk about. Go on. I can't really sing any Adele songs. Hello from the <laughs> other side of this screen to you. Go, go, go. In the industry, it's commonly known as Adele Week. Anytime she releases a new record, all media channels shut down and put up Adele content and we're away. Yeah. She's got a new album called 30 and there's a bunch of talking points around it, but the main one that caught my eye apart from a foolish journalist interview, which we might get to in a minute, is that Adele got Spotify to disable auto-shuffle on albums posted on social media. This was the only request I had in our ever-changing industry. We don't create albums with so much care and thought into our track listing for no reason. 
our art tells a story and our stories should be listened to as we intended. Thank you, Spotify, for listening. Previously, when starting an album, Spotify would default to playing an album on shuffle, which I think is still a choice. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty certain I listen to most records as they're intended. Or have I been listening to records on shuffle this whole time? No, I think I think you're spot on. I think uh, I'm just looking at my Spotify now. Alex the Astronaut's debut album. <laughs> Very fine body of work. Thank you. She will only be topped by her second record, which is coming out. Well, we'll... Which is a secret. <laughs> Very, yeah, big old secret. Wow, we get scoops out. We got Harvey Sutherland to admit that um, he's singing on his new album, on his debut album, which is pretty huge. Oh, so wow. To, to the theory of absolutely nothing, and I play happy song. Yeah, so that's not on shot. That's going to go all the way through. Is it just the button's too close or is it, what, what's, hmm. Yeah, the, the shuffle button was next to the play button. And also I think if you tapped it once, it, it stays would, on across it would the stay board. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So once you start an album, you're in. Exactly. And then if you keep listening to other albums, then who knows what order you're listening to things to. Up is down, dry is wet. It's obviously a sign of Adele's clout more than anything. So she can go, oh, hey, guys, I've got a new album. By the way, can you just change the entire platform, this global yeah. platform for me? Yeah, it's not the sky. <laughs> and they're like, yes, Adele. Okay, no worries. Do what we have to do. Because she also, she left her previous album off Spotify for the first six months before it was released. As a, also a bit of a testing the water, I suppose, as many artists did around that time. Taylor Swift has also... You know, it took a while to put some stuff on there. Radiohead were another holdout. Those sort of bands that are like, well, we don't get paid much anyway. And we have these massive fan bases. Do we really need this? Um, and Adele's obviously made a concession to go, well, if you are listening to my record on Spotify, you at least have to listen to it in the order I intended. But I guess it begs the question also, do people care about track listings in this streaming age? Do you guys? Um, I absolutely, I absolutely do. I love listening to how yeah. records sequenced. You know, I always listen to the Tame Impala albums start to finish. Back in the day, U2, Uktung Baby, when I got that on cassette, pouring over the lyrics and, oh, Bono likes Amnesty. I'm going to join Amnesty. True story. Really just obsessing, obsessing about how, uh, you know, how, how an album's laid out. Alex, you seem like, you know, a pretty low-key chill cat, but at the same time, there's a lot worrying behind the scenes there. How much time are you spending at the moment on, on album number two, in terms of sequencing. If you were indeed releasing an album number two, allegedly, Mikey. If I was actually releasing an album number two, I, I don't know, <laughs> but album for album number one, I um, <laughs> spent a lot of time, like, I guess, making the playlist on my phone and like rearranging it in the or different orders that, um, yeah, like, I guess told the story. Yeah, what Adele said: tell the story in a good in a good order and finish it off on a good note. And what lyrics do I think might match up here and that kind of thing. And like having the lyric sheets up and and then asking people, does this order work? And I think it is something that I like. Yeah, I considered for a really long time. And then when you get master, they get things mastered, or you get them on vinyl. Like it's yeah, that's the order that you listen to before you actually put them out to be put on Spotify or Apple or whatever the streaming platform is, or on CD or yeah, vinyl. Do you think that there's value in the storytelling being sequential? I do because that's what I listen to songs for. Every album that I've listened to in order it's been a different experience than when I've just taken a few songs. And there's so many albums that people say like, oh, yeah, you have to listen to the whole thing and it'll change it. And it has. I guess the question is, does the listener want to get the most out of the thing that they're listening to because people have taken the time to make it like that? Or do they just want to add things to their playlist and kind of include them and that is how they list the music, which is how I grew up listening to music. Like I grew up when... Cheeky cheeky songs were downloaded off the internet illegally. <laughs> cheeky cheeky. And like <laughs> I had playlists on my parents' computer that were made like by me and I didn't know about albums. I never really listened to them. Like I had CDs in the car with my parents, but I never knew about them. So single songs were were ones that I would find on on YouTube and then I would put them on my my little iPod, whatever it's called, and then that's how I would listen to them. And I think it only took till like I became a proper musician, I guess, 
for me to start listening to albums and listening to them in order. And I do see the value in that now. Um, but both ways, I got the music. So I do think that there's value on in Spotify not shuffling because I just think that's pointless. Uh, I think the only other option is like, yeah, just listening to a few singles, which I think is what most people do anyway. Like I think most people take, if they're on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, they get the songs that are fed to them through the big playlists and or like their release radar or whatever it is, the algorithmic things. And then they take those songs and they're like, oh, I really like this one. I'm going to put it on my thing. Would you feel particularly perplexed if someone was like, oh my God, I love the theory of absolutely nothing to learn that they've never played it sequentially the way that you ordered? Does it matter? Not to me. Like it's kind of their thing. Are they missing something? They might be. Like they might be missing that, yeah, one of the stories, I I guess, run into the other one differently. I think it's very similar to like a set list in a show. That's how I struck have structured that first album. Like when I write set lists, that's what I do. Like I'll generally sit down and be like, okay, well what do people are people going to be feeling after this song? And what would they need next? And it's more about them than it is about me really. And I think that is something to take in. I don't know if everyone does it like that, but I think it is a lot for the listener to have them have an experience with it that, you know, when they listen to a really sad song, how you follow that up is really important because they're in a certain mood and then you need to like bring in some guitars, which is I think what Adele's album did. Like she takes you down and then she brings you back Mm -hmm. up a little and you go on the roller coaster with her. So yeah, I think... You sound like you know this about this. You you should interview her. You've listened to the album. (laughs) I have listened to it, so I'd probably be better than the other person that did it, but no. I honestly don't really mind because I'm from the back... Like, I don't feel really strongly about how people should interpret my music because I think once I've written it, I've got it for me and I get to have, like, the stories that I think what they mean. But I understand once it goes beyond... (laughs) the screen and goes through the computer and get foot in the Spotify or on the vinyl, it's not really mine anymore. So I get that there are people that really like albums in order and there's people that don't and they don't, neither of those people, yeah, bother me at all. <laughs> One person that doesn't know the order of Adele's record is Matt Duran, who was the journalist for Channel 7, who was Segway. in the news this week for flying to the London to do an exclusive million dollar interview with Adele. Uh, and didn't listen to a record. I just saw a great headline saying uh, someone at news.com or someone from Seven was saying Matt Duran was actually the fifth choice to go. Oh, God. So apparently they were scraping the barrel to go and interview the biggest musician in the world right now <laughs> in London. Silly, which seems a bit silly of a stretch. sausages. <laughs> I love just quick, can I just, throw, just quick, Marcus, I just love this tweet from Benjamin Miller. Who among us can honestly say we've never blown a million dollars of our network's coin by not listening to the new Adele before chatting with her? (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. 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 It really boggles the mind and it raises a lot of questions, such as should you listen to a record beforehand? Should music journalists be a little more valued for actually knowing what they're talking about and doing research and and being able to interpret music uh, perhaps a little more than... The crime reporter or the gardening reporter who happens to just want a ticket to go see something that night and says, yeah, sure, I'll review it. This is fine. How hard can it be? Alex, have you faced such buffoonery before? (laughs) Uh, People interviewing you without knowing your story, your music, or what anything means. So many times. Like, I've had so many people, um, yeah, either it's obvious they haven't listened to the music they think I'm in a band and they've been like, are you, are you Alex and the astronauts? <laughs> I've had like, I guess people that are short for time and overworked and trying to do a good job and are really nervous and are trying to ask me good questions, but they obviously don't have the right information and, and it's really stressful for them. And honestly, I sit down at those interviews and just feel so stressed about for them because you're just like (laughs) how would it feel to sit in front of someone and like I guess not know anything about yeah what you're talking about I guess Uh, we've all done it in our lives everyone's been there I've never done it to Adele which is probably (laughs) a good thing like but yeah I I guess yeah the overworked and underpaid thing is definitely sometimes 
something to take into consideration when I've when I've had those experiences, I'm never really bothered. I think if it's someone that like has the time and has the, I guess, position and they don't take the time, that's when you're kind of like, mm, okay, I don't know about this because it shows a level of, I guess, disrespect to my team and like the people that have decided to put time and money, I, I guess, into this person doing their job. And I don't know, That that's where I can think it kind of, there's a blurred line. It also feels like that this is an example of people thinking that music journalism is lifestyle. Yeah. I can see how Seven would be like, mm. oh, it's Adele. She's doing TV specials. And like, let's find out about her love life. And, yes. You know, blah, 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 blah. You've and lost weight. Like, yeah. All that stuff. And it's like music is right down the bottom of the pile of the guy or the interviewer feels like they need to know, which is... Yeah, that's like, offensive. yeah, it's super, it's offensive. And like, it's happened to me where like, um, from one of the newspapers, someone they sent to a live gig that I was doing a Cellar Donnelly, someone that was from a different department. It wasn't, it wasn't even lifestyle thing. It was like real estate or something ridiculous. Maybe, fi- <laughs> maybe finance. That sounds familiar. But he was like, he commented, <laughs> He comment. He called um, Stella. Like, told, said that Stella looked like a waitress. He like made a lot of comments that were like not very. I guess it didn't really cover the music. That was that was the main thing. It was like apart from being kind of offensive and I guess belittling for me and Stella, he didn't go anywhere near the music. Or like when he tried to, it wasn't very. It wasn't a very good analysis of what was going on. Like if he actually engaged with it and he was like, oh, I don't like things for these reasons and I think that this wasn't done well or whatever, that's fine. But if you actually don't know what you're talking about, you actually can't engage with the information you're being given. And I think that's where like someone going in and them being like, oh, we're going to send this guy who hasn't listened to the album. If you're trying to get people to talk about Channel 7, fine, you've achieved that. But in the long run, like, why are they there? Like, why aren't they there to, like, engage with this album that is probably going to be the biggest one of this 10 years and, like, will probably win a lot of awards? Why wouldn't you engage with the storytelling that's taken place about a woman's divorce and her children and her experience and the fact that she's 30 and she's still in the music like there's so much to cover Mm. there about that storytelling that is nothing Mm. to do with her weight blah 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 how she is to put it out like I just it's not only like that that whole lifestyle and like who are you dating things offensive it's just like you're not actually doing anything for the world so why don't you just <laughs> shut up like and do say something meaningful and like do a good job of like i don't know working with stuff that matters yeah i don't know maybe that's a bit harsh but yeah no 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 <laughs> or or at least just i mean just do yeah, the job just do the job just listen to the songs it's your job it's his job white male hubris beautiful <laughs> um just go back a second with with that review which state are we talking about just so we can do some mental deductions which state did this occur in <laughs> i can't remember i cannot recall no comment all right, all right, all right. <laughs> i will very briefly not going to bat but i will very briefly uh play devil's avocado here the way music is delivered to journalists in general is so frustratingly consistently bad play yeah. mpe um, we transfer like one after the other. It's just so clunky. And so the, his Matt Duran's excuse was he didn't get the email for 17 hours. I'm pretty sure you could have worked that out. Yeah. Disco is a Melbourne company that's come along. Do you, do you use Disco at all? Alex? I think I've heard of it. We transfer really shit. Really good. Sorry, we transfer, yeah. but it doesn't work. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're all a crock of crap. Whereas with yeah, with uh, Disco, you can see the web files and like you can actually. It's really good. It's very, very easy to use. All these things, as I said, Melbourne company, they're sort of taking over. They basically want to come along and be the Netflix. They kind of want to almost be the link tree. Like everyone just uses us and we can all agree that this is the best way to go forward. So yeah, okay. please use Disco. All right. Yeah, so that's a, that's a hot tip. So you just get in Rosen's ear, Dan Rosen's ear and go, listen up, buddy. Okay. <laughs> you know who runs this show? I do. Alex and the astronauts. <clears throat> yeah. Me and my friends, the astronauts. <laughs> 
Uh, Dan Rosen used to date Al McPherson. Fun side fact. More of a lifestyle comment, though. Friends, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, we're going to talk about Alex Astronaut's uh, career in just a moment and her uh, her new single, Growing Up. You can hunt down myself. Hunt down is I say this every week. Hunt us down. You can find me, Marcus T, Alex Astronaut on social media. Better yet, stream Alex's work and uh, and buy it. Actually, quickly, let's just jump back in a second. So Tando, who we had on a few weeks ago, has taken her music off her latest uh, EP, off streaming, so it never went up. She's getting letters from fans all through Bandcamp, selling quite well, having this new connection. So I'm, I've never got letters before. Is that ever a consideration for you? Um, what kind of connection do you have yeah, with, you, with your fans? Um, mostly through social media. I think especially over the last two years, like that has been my only way of interacting with with people yeah obviously live music is where I mostly see the people and get to talk to them and stuff and that's not really been happening I think Bandcamp is an obvious way to for artists to make more money and to be more in control with what they're doing I guess the other option is like I guess the only thing you're sacrificing is like the way that Spotify can put you in front of audiences and Apple Music and other streaming services can put you in front of audiences that you might not find through your own channels. Bandcamp, obviously, they try to serve music to people, but do they have the following that Spotify have? I don't think so. Do they have what Apple has? I don't think so. I think it would be fantastic if there was an opportunity for artists to kind of be more in control of that situation. But unfortunately, most of us, like... We don't have access to millions and millions of people on the average day. I guess that's 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 the one thing that I've why I've yeah always had everything on streaming services. Mm. I mean, artists don't even have access to Spotify in a way. Like, you need a third party distributor to get your songs up at, at the very least. Let alone get on a playlist, or you know, if someone's got your name on there already, to talk to them about taking it down, or you know, all the kind of like furfies that can happen behind the scenes. At least with Bandcamp, you can put it up straight away. I agree. Yeah. Like if if, Ban- if Bandcamp were able to invent some sort of essentially a streaming service or mobile service, I think that'd be wonderful. Yeah, and I used Bandcamp like before I, I guess, started very professionally doing music. I used Bandcamp to put things out, and yeah, it was fantastic. I really liked it. I think, and I think the charity initiatives that they do, like it's it's fan, like those are great. And I love when artists actually, like Phoebe Bridges and stuff, have put covers on Bandcamp. Like, I, I think probably it's like yeah, the Adele thing. Like, those artists have a lot of power, and it'd be great if they could kind of go to bat for the little guy <laughs> a bit more in terms of the, um, I guess, royalties and stuff like that, and other opportunities for artists to get their music to people. Adele's next move should be like a dollar a song. Everyone gets it. Oh my god, <laughs> a dollar a I'm song. I'm not going on. Would be a great day if someone sent me an email saying it's a dollar a song. <laughs> now yeah. I'd be like, wouldn't it? What a day this is. <laughs> change, change, change the world. I'm, I'm writing. For, I can't say who I'm writing for, but I'm doing some corporate work, and it's a dollar a word. Oh yeah, doing Aww. that today. It's a good, good feeling. And I'm like, <laughs> hey guys, um, how about this? How about I do a 700 and I do a 500? They've come back and asked for more. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. 200,000 words. <laughs> sure thing. Let's put another wing on this house. <laughs> In just a moment, we're going to be talking to Alex, the astronaut. Music. That was just a moment. You've arrived. With my voice in your ears, uh, Marcus Teagues and Alex Lynn, a.k.a. Alex the Astronaut, who has a new song called Growing Up, which is really cool because it's string-soaked. You said it's your most honest song that you've ever written. Um, before we get to that, though, tell us about snorkeling during COVID times and how that made you happy. It was very happy. It was really fun. Um, I, I kind of needed to go outside, so I started going to the beach. And every time I went there, there were so many people snorkeling and I went one day to a little snorkeling shop and spent my money on a snorkel and some fins and I went straight back out and I saw a bunch of fish and um, I saw like stingrays and I've seen octopuses and um, all sorts of weird things. 
How are you in your proximity to nature? In proximity, uh, fears wise, uh, I think like I'm. I don't know. I think I haven't gotten hurt before by nature. So like there was like I've got a friend who's a marine biologist and he's great because I'll send him a photo of something I found and he'd be like, oh by the way that's this. So I saw this little shark looking thing and I sent it to him and he was like, oh that's a really rare little crest horned some shark something or other. And then I sent him another photo. And he was like, oh, how close did you get to that thing? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I was like above it and I zoomed in. He was like, okay, just keep using the zoom because that's a very dangerous little fish and it's really aggressive. And I was like, oh, okay. Really? Yeah. So there's like- What fish was this? I actually don't remember. It it looked scary. So I feel like everyone would see it and would be scared of it. Um, we need a we need like a fish Shazam. I know. <laughs> Where you can- fish Shazam would be so sick. Uh, but yeah, we call it working the angles. Fish am, fish am, fish Oh my god, it's got to be something here. You got it, Mikey. Um, shark, shark ham, getting getting colder. Sorry, um, Courtney, the producer. You're getting paid a dollar a word. We've got it. You, <laughs> you can't come up with a good fish am. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that as we keep talking. <laughs> What's that? I just lost the contract. Damn. Uh, <clears throat> And where was this, Alex? Where'd you go snorkeling? This was at Clavelli Beach in um, Sydney. So, yeah, it's like covered by two layers of concrete. So I could go by myself without getting scared of floating out to sea, which we love. <laughs> Alex, I spoke to you five years ago, I oh, think yeah. it was, I, about doing, I did your first bio. Yes. And I remember you telling me then that um, I think you'd just come back from New York Yes. You'd been playing soccer in the snow in New York on a scholarship at Long Island University where you were studying maths and physics and music was still a hobby. And I, I distinctly remember you telling me then that when you were mucking around playing some songs essentially for your roommates at uni in New York and also trolling Triple J Unearthed to kind of see what was out there, what things sounded like, maybe a producer that you might like to work with, just yep. kind of like. Who knows? Just going to like reach out to people and see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. That's a long five years. Yeah. It's actually so funny. You've packed so much in since then. Yeah. I actually remember talking to you because I was at my um, one of my best friend's ha- family homes and I remember just walking around because it's like kind of in the bush. So I was worried about like not getting good service. So I was standing in the driveway <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I remember we talked about my first EP and it was kind of about growing up and I remember we kind Mm. of went into you were like oh do you ever think I think you asked me like do you ever think that you'll stop talking about that and it's funny because no no (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny you you said towards the end I don't want to call it growing up about the EP and then you said I think it's learning about the world I was 19 and moved to the biggest city in the world, met, met a bunch of people, is trying to tell that experience and what I saw. I think that's good for anyone to learn. People do amazing stuff and you should give it a go. Yeah. Okay. That still feels like your your motto, your guiding principle. Yeah, definitely. I think like when I wrote Growing Up, I was like, okay, there's a new stage going on in my brain. Like I kind of, I guess I went to uni, I came home and then, yeah, I guess my life happened four year five years and like over the past two years um we've been in a pandemic the two years before that I was a carer which is really hard and yeah I did a lot of growing up in that four years and I guess I got to the point where I was like whoa okay I'm actually more of an adult now than I thought I ever would be and I can like see how compared to that stage when I was probably 20 one talking to you I thought I was all grown up then and I thought I knew so many things and I remember mm-hmm. kind of talking to you and I was like smart little slick Rick thought I was so <laughs> clever <laughs> thought I was so clever have been living in New York just like oh no I know heaps of shit like I'm so so <laughs> on to everything I I studied physics by the way like this like and like I think like the world kind of hit me in the face after that and it was just kind of like oh you think you're so clever look what's gonna happen now and I was like yeah I think that is what growing up is really about of like 
a real ego check and just to be like, you know what? Like, actually, you know fucking nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> good luck, like, dealing with that. And I think with the theory of absolutely nothing, that was definitely the theme of that. It was like, well, okay, we've gotten to a stage where actually not very clear on how the world is. I probably need to learn some stuff. Anyone want to send some help? I'll take the information. <laughs> and there was definitely a shift in, yeah, how I viewed the world. And, yeah, I definitely think people should just still go out and do stuff. I agree with my 21-year-old self, but I definitely think that little person had a lot lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny too because at the start of that year, you were essentially, yeah, just playing tunes with your friends or had recently come back from that experience by the end of that same year, you were in the public consciousness very much with the marriage plebiscite and yes. not worth hiding, kind of becoming essentially an anthem for that. You you grew up pretty quickly, at least in the public eye, in the span of yeah. just, you know, uh, one year when you released two EPs. Does, is that part of what you're thinking about when, you, when you're talking about? Yeah. Like that was... Pretty quick learning experience? That was a big, yeah, that was a big thing to like experience yeah I kind of thought I was so clever and I knew what I was doing and then when that happened I think I didn't realize at the time but it was so overwhelming to be 21 and like kind of this unintentional voice for uh, millions of people that was a lot like I got a lot of messages about things that people had experienced a lot of trauma that people had been through that I hadn't known about. I, I guess I knew that it would happen, but direct lines with people that have experienced so much pain and I guess were looking at me as some sort of hopeful story that could help them with that. Yeah, that was a very big shift for me uh, very quickly where I kind of was like, oh, I can see that this is such a good thing that, that, you know, there's political change or there's legislation that's been passed that means for more equality, but wow, this world is so much scarier than I thought it was. And I think that's where I came out of it of like, there's not a, there's not a tie, there's not a bow to be tied on this and kind of something that I can walk away and be like, oh, okay, we changed the world. Everything's going to be fine now. It was kind of, I guess the start of, people talking about their experiences and then the start of like yeah I guess people in the public eye actually mirroring them back to people and um, and that I guess at least in what Australian culture and that it was a very dramatic shift over 10 years and I hadn't been a part of it and I was still a child and yeah I think mm. I didn't really realize how much how much the world would kind of be a hard place for me to be in and, and that definitely opened my eyes for it. But it was good that it was on, around change and I yeah I very quickly realised I don't have the answers to all of the things that people were talking about. That moment came out of you being so incredibly honest and articulate in your songs. Like was there a moment where you were like felt a little bit cautious about continuing to do that in your music or being so kind of plain spoken no because I don't really know how to change that like I guess that's just I've written songs since I was 10 so there's just like a I guess a style and my like method of doing that is like something happens around me and I'm like oh that's kind of a big thing and then I'll get my little red book which is just <laughs> in that bag over there and I'll be like oh that's there's this funny thing that's happened what can I say about it or what do I want to talk about and then I build boy verses and I rewrite and I do that. And then I get to the end of it and I'm like, yeah, this is what happened. And that's that's kind of unchangeable for me. Like, I think, yeah, I guess in, in my first album with I Like to Dance, that was something where I'd seen so much, I guess, DV around me and, and then I saw it in the greater world I guess being mirrored back more in the media people were changing the way they were talking about it at least in Australian media and and from what we saw in England last year and America there were there were more stories and the tone of them was changing and becoming more psychologically aware of the experiences of those people um that was where I was like oh okay that's what I'm going to go into that 
yeah, I, I never changed the way I, I guess I put music out. The thing that changed was like how I looked at the world and how I thought it was a bit more scary. That was something where I was like, oh, that's that's different. I now I now see this world as a bit more a bit more malicious than I thought. With your lyrics, Alex, there's always one or two lines in a in song that just hits me, you know, and it just makes me sort of sit up, which I really, really enjoy. Sorry. The line in, in, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, the line in Growing Up is the, the question of how water gets up in the sky. I'm probably saying, what, what's the exact lyric? What takes the water to the sky? Yeah. And tell me, and that just, for some reason, I, I feel elevated when I hear that. Tell us about the, the jump off point for that song and, you know, when that sort of lyric came to you, when you, where you were sitting and all that kind of set the scene for us. I wish I was more profound in like how <laughs> I thought of things, but mostly I just like sit on the ground and in my room because that's what I did when I was little, like, because I've got so many pens and stuff, like it's just easier to sit on the ground. So I'll just get my little <laughs> guitar and like my book and then try and like, I guess, write things out. And my writing is so messy, so I end up having to have like three or four books where like pages ripped out, and like then I'll try and read it, and I'll be like, Alex, come on, like just write that neatly, like that could have been really good, and we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that those the questions lines like what takes the water to the sky, why can we break, how do we know that we can take it, those lines all sit differently. Like it's I do in most of my songs is like I'll find a bunch of. I guess, lines that are good for that song and then I'll kind of work off them. So it was like, is this growing up? And it was like, when's my parking ticket ending? And then it, I was like, how do you get health insurance? And that never got included, but like those kind of things kept coming up and it was like, I think like for me, like the what takes the water to the sky was like, I've done a physics degree. I fully get that this is how this works, but I don't get it. Like, I still don't get it. Like, what are computers? How do they work? Like, that doesn't make sense. Or like, the internet, what's that? Like, and then like, the why can we break? How do we know that we can take it? It's like, uh, we've come so far with all of these things. Like, why why can people still experience so much pain? Like, that mm. seems like something we should have worked on by now. Knocked if we can head. go to fucking yeah. space. Like, you know, mm. I, I think that like all the questions I was like trying to put them in an order and some of them were more painful than others and some of them were really like just silly lines and it was actually quite a quick song to write sometimes I make it pretty painful like not worth hiding was it was a lot (laughs) it was a lot of edits (laughs) it was a lot it was probably six months of just editing 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 but sometimes it's like oh okay I think I know what I want to say and I think I know how to say it and that one was one Mm -hmm. of those songs to your point as well, Björk, I saw her speak at Red Bull Music Academy in Montreal a few years ago. She's saying, if we can invent the iPhone 7, this is at the time, then I'm pretty sure we can tackle climate change in a much smarter way than we're doing. We can recycle a hell of a lot better, you know, like where yeah. really are we putting our energies? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk, Alex, about the Ballpark Music crew helping you bring Growing Up to Life and working with them again? Yeah, it was really cool because... It actually took me about six times to get up to Brisbane because I'm in, I live in Sydney and they live up there and have a studio up there. And like most of those, five of those six times were COVID. And then one time was I got staff from doing jujitsu. And and like, I just was thinking of these random activities. Like I was doing snorkeling. I like can't play soccer anymore because I've had too many concussions. So I like was thinking of all these random I don't know, sports that I could try. <laughs> Apparently jiu-jitsu is low concussion risk. So that was one that I gave a go. And yeah, I got this infection and I like went to hospital and I had to call my poor managers who were so stressed from all of the COVID cancellations and say, I actually have to cancel this for not a reason <laughs> that's not COVID. And Did you get kicked by a dirty toenail or something? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. It was fucking, it was gross. It was really gross. Um, but I got, I got, better after like a few weeks and then um yeah we went up and recorded um it was like a one day recording so it was really nice and like I kind of took to the song to them and the demo and we were like this is a big building song Mm, lots of strings kind of spoke to my American label network and I was like do you guys know anyone that does like strings and they're like we know this guy Miro who's actually he's from New Zealand but he lived in Australia for a long time Miro Mackey and Daniel Che, who is are both on the um, 
credits because Miro mixed the song and recorded all of the strings and he did it over Zoom. Like, so we, I like there was one session where I sat with him and he just like was like, what do you think of this? And he played all of the strings. So yeah, we kind of sent him wow. the song. I'd done my little like rundown session with him, but honestly, like six hours later, he was like, how's this? And all of us just sat in the room, like we'd had a lovely day recording, me, Sam, Dan and Dean and my band who all live in Brisbane, Kalia, Vlada and Luke. We were all there and like we listened to the song and we're like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it was just an amazing like moment, I guess, of like technological, like <laughs> modern world kind of thing of like, we just sent this thing over to, over the ocean to America and then they sent it back and it was a completely different thing and like, it was really fun. Like I love working with Sam from Ballpark because he's such a great songwriter. So I think like when we started saying this, when I play the song to him and he's like, yeah, this is good. You feel like a bit like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah, you did a really heartfelt post uh, thanking those two guys for the, the session. And you can you can tell that it means a lot to you to be able to get into a room and kind of create something pretty quickly with, with people that you trust. And that, yeah. that's that's sort of like a... Again, a little bit of a guiding principle for you with your music, it seems. Yeah, Mm. I think they're so lovely. And like, I love that they, I think they're about seven years older than me. And so they, what they've experienced in the music industry, they're really great at working with, I guess, me because it's just like they are like big brothers. Like they'll be like, this is what we've seen or like, I don't know. It is a really funny thing. Like when I'll uh, like afterwards, I think I there was a few changes that were made to the song, and like I was like, oh, like I'm just gonna change this. I I, I don't know about this thing. And they were like, is this management or is this you? Like <laughs> they're, just very, they're very like, you know what? We're gonna protect you, whatever. And you're like, Love oh, that. that's Hilarious. cute. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it's out now, my friends. Growing up. Um, the first taste of it could be an EP, could it be an album? I'm not sure. Alex, do you want to give us the scoop now? What's happening there? <laughs> I have no idea. I've I haven't heard. So, yeah, you tell me. Very you good. you you keep All saying right. telling me there's an album. I haven't heard about that. So, yeah. All you, right. One word, one dollar a minute. <laughs> Two dollar a minute now. I love it. We just we just hit fifty six minutes. We're getting yeah. paid. Uh, I will say to identify creatures of the deep. Uh, I've come up with three names for that app. Oh. They are as follows. What you fishing about? It's the worst one. Start with the worst one. Uh, <laughs> fish in the sea. Not bad. It sounds like a dating app. The best one I think is Go Fish. Oh, what's that? Go Fish. Oh, I love that. I think you should talk to yeah. the apps. Talk to the app people. I'm on to the, I'm, I've got them on the other line, okay? They're yeah. Just, <laughs> mate, I get paid a dollar a dollar a second, okay? I'll get to you. I'll get to you. Hey, Alec, would you like to uh, hang around and uh, do a bonus episode with us on Hit Different? I would love nothing more. That sounds great. Wonderful. Thank you very much for listening, my dear friends out there. We do really, really appreciate you. Oh, my God. We can announce something cool, too. We're doing a Hit Different Live podcast on December the 10th at Music Market, helping them launch the music market. Um, I think we should give away some tickets to our subscribers and to people listening. We're going to have Tony DeBlasi from the Avalanches. We're going to have Maple Glider. We're going to have Kian sing. Maybe Maple Glider will sing, too. She's going to sing two songs. Keep it off the record. Shush, shush, shush. Soju Gang as well. And uh, Jenna Turner, an industry head. All these things are going to happen. We're going to be on stage. It's going to be mint, and a party is going to break out. I'm telling. <laughs> I'm giving away everything except for one thing, and so that's a, that's a secret. But yeah, that's all going to happen on December 10. It's super exciting. We're announcing it uh, in the next couple of days. Again, you're in the future. We're in the past. Love you. Join us in a moment for the bonus episode. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>